ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 102, Rinda. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with our guest today, Rinda Laurel, to talk about founding a supplement company from the ground up. In this episode, I speak with Renda, who has extensive background in the entertainment industry and with building brands in the online space. She's on a mission to help more people learn about the natural ways that they can supplement their bodies and brains to truly become happy, joyous, and free. Renda, who has a background in the music industry, is a highly sought-after consultant and currently works with a select number of innovative, like-minded entrepreneurs, lifestyle brands, content creators, and experiential events. She has helped to grow multiple companies and ventures. Her network is vast, and she has a knack for combining creative concepts with the right people to get powerful results. Rinda has also just launched a supplement line, which is amazing, by the way, and it's all about supporting mental health and well-being. She has over 25 years of continuous sobriety and recovery from drug addiction and almost three years of full remission from clinical depression. And she really started this supplement line, as you'll learn in our conversation, as a response to her own mental health issues. It's not every day that you meet a woman who took it upon herself to launch a business of this nature. So formulating and manufacturing her own supplements, I know that would have been something that terrified me as a founder. So that's the primary focus of our conversation today. I think that you'll find Rinda's story deeply inspiring, and I think you'll find her incredibly brave and vulnerable. And without further ado, here is Rinda. So welcome, Rinda, to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you here. I am just interviewing you solo today because Sandy is traveling, but I am so excited to learn more about your entrepreneurial journey and your story, and I think it's going to inspire a lot of our listeners. So to get started, I don't know. We've met recently at at a conference at the She Recovers event in Beverly Hills. Um, we connected. I think what you're doing is really amazing. And we quickly decided it made sense for you to come on our podcast because you have this tremendous story. But why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about the background of your entrepreneurial journey? So I know that you're running a supplement company right now. Is that the first business you started? How did this come into existence? First of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is kind of my first business with my name, like that I've built myself with as a brand. Um, I have been an entrepreneur as in terms of 
as a solo consultant now since 2011, left sort of the corporate world, if you can call it that, of the music business and tech and decided to go solo and work directly with clients and artists and companies. And, you know, at the time, I I didn't realize I was being an entrepreneur. I just sort of thought, that, you know, okay, these opportunities are arising and they're going to pay me directly. So let's do this. And so, but in retrospect, of course, that's entrepreneurism, right? And I still am, by the way, a brand and marketing consultant for lifestyle stuff, music, brands, music tech, anything that sort of needs branding and molding and expansion. I still work with that in within that space. And all that stuff, I, I use the moniker at Rinda because my Twitter is at, this is an at Rinda. And a friend of mine kept calling me, hey, at Rinda. And so finally, I was like, okay, I guess that's my name. Because anytime I'd come up with a company name, everybody was like, what? What does that mean? So I decided to use my name as my brand for that business. So do you have a background in the music industry in terms of being a musician? Is that what led you into doing branding and marketing work for those folks? Or how did that connection come into being? Yeah, it's very interesting. I My background is super varied. I started in the music business, not as a musician, but as a friend with musicians, like just hanging out, watching all these amazing people. And so a groupie. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was 100% um, a music fan and, you know, ended up working at, for a booking agent at a very young age. I was like 17, 18 years old working, working for a booking agent in the 80s clubs in Los Angeles, which is the sort of the heyday of the hair metal days. And then I moved to New York and landed a job at a record company in, in 89, right in the in the middle of the grunge explosion. So I've definitely seen it all. Um, but I, I don't come from branding and marketing. I come from an artist perspective. I've always worked in artist talent, either development, scouting or management, all the way up through 2005, when I moved into the tech space, it was always in more of a artist development sort of stage. And I worked in mu- in music business regularly. And then I moved over to like the kids division at Sony for eight years, which was very interesting. And then went and started working with a, an interactive agency. And when I, when I moved in at the interactive agency, that's when I sort of took that experience into how they marketed and branding and sort of learned how to do that. Everything is intuitive. It's not something that I studied or, or even consciously understood that that's what I was doing. Like, oh, I'm a branding expert. I'm not. I just kind of know intuitively how to build brands and expand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably how the best people in the world who do branding do it. Yeah, that's interesting. And so fast forward, what led you into starting a supplement company? I think this is so fascinating to me, the idea that that an individual has the courage to do, like to me, that's so over, I think people feel like that about starting a software company because I get questions like, how, why did you think you could do that? And so that's my question to you because for me, I would feel, I think, overwhelmed at sort of all of the nuts and bolts and policies and rules and inventory issues and suppliers like how did that come to be like where did that vision come from and then I'm so curious about the mindset that led you to sort of take action once that vision manifested itself 
Yeah. So a couple in my own journey. So I had this, you know, music business and tech and entrepreneur and branding business and, you know, have some really great, crazy stories, touring and all kinds of fun stuff. But behind the scenes, I dealt with addiction and depression. And so I've been sober, clean and sober since 1992. But I still struggled with depression during these times. So even like being an entrepreneur, or even working this whole time, you know, on the back side of things, I struggled with depression. And I've been finally starting to talk about it really out loud, because I think people need to know that, you know, what you see out there, not only just when you see a person in real life, but what you see in social isn't always, you know, real. So Anyway, I struggled with that and I kept constantly, constantly, constantly searching for answers on how to feel better. And for me, the game changer was learning how to sort of fine tune my nutrition and and use supplements specifically for mental health. And it helped me sort of move past the depression after years of it. And so I thought, you know, I want to bring this to other people. I want other people to be able to have this freedom and if that type of thing works for them. So I came up with a, uh, you know, look, I want to do all kinds of things. I want to write a book about it. I'm not qualified. I'm not a doctor. I wanted to, you know, do all these different things. And then finally, when I, I realized it was the supplements that really was the game changer for me, I put together a plan to develop this these supplements with, you know, the idea of mental health in particular and it was hard. It's scary. But doing business plan, you know, since this is about entrepreneurism, you know, business plans are for me, like there's pieces of it that are so easy. And then there's these other pieces that are like, I don't know how to do a five year projection to get funding for something like that. Like that's beyond my scope. So let me just stop you there because I actually think your story maps pretty closely to a lot of our listener stories, maybe not necessarily the exact same story, but a lot of, I feel like a lot of our clients and our listeners get into wellness because they've faced similar personal challenges. And then they found healing, whether it was in yoga or health coaching or nutrition. But most of them, that doesn't lead them to start the sort of business that you started. They then become a health coach or a yoga teacher or, right? Like it's, it becomes, they translate that business opportunity in a different way. So I think it's like, that's the piece that's different, right? Is that you had this very, I think, you know, similar struggle. Like we've all, like everyone I know in this industry, we've all had a similar struggle. Like in one way or another, we found well some sort of wellness tool or set of tools that worked for us. And then we decided to make our careers in some way about that, bringing that healing to others. And so like, that's the piece, like, why not become a nutritionist? Or yeah, like, what about what you were using? Like, instead of just like becoming, say, a reseller of the supplements you were already buying for yourself? Like what made you want to start your own brand and make your own dosages and your own formulations? Was it because you were actually like taking apart other <laughs> capsules and, you know, making your own sort yeah. of <laughs> concoctions? No, that's a great question though. Cause I've, I've you know, I've done a, a handful of these now and they're like, so where do you manufacture? I'm like, well, I'm not in my basement, basement doing concoctions. Here's the thing. I feel like, and you're right. Uh, I think you're an enormous amount of people do and switch, go in and then they go and train others. And I think that's super valuable. And there's a lot of supplements out there. So I'm, I could have done that. Not completely reinventing the wheel in terms of of, you know, what is in my formulas. Yes, they're sort of combined for a purpose. But 
Um, there's nothing proprietary, etc. I didn't feel that there was, I, first of all, it took me, I had to read 50,000 books to figure out what would work for my mental health issue. And I wanted to bring that back to people in a really simple way. So my packaging, my, the names of my, my, you know, Pink Cloud or Serenity or Rest Well are all the names of the products are like, what is that? You know, and each of the products say like, feel happy, feel calm. Instead of being so, you go into the health food store now and it's just overwhelming. And it's like, it's unbelievably overwhelming. And I wanted to bring it back to the wellness community in a language that was easily understood. Now behind it all, for me, each one sort of mirrors what a pharmaceutical can do. Now it's F, you know, they're not FDA. They're FDA compliant, of course. It's not. I can't make any claims. I don't really talk about this too much. But in the background of it is, for me, I was, uh, you know, I was on medication, and part of my journey was to get off medication because it didn't actually make me feel much better. And it works for a lot of people, or it works for a little while, and then they're still searching and. And so I wanted to specifically the dopamine in my line as something that helped me get off Wellbutrin. So each one of my formulas currently sort of have a mirror in the pharmaceutical world. And that was another sort of point of difference that I don't think is really out there. So I know if I talk to somebody and their, ta- you know, their doctor said, oh, you know, you should be on Prozac. First of all, I'll tell them to go get some lab tests and make sure their hormones are right and their you know, a bunch of other like nutritional stuff. But ultimately, you know, I wanted to offer things that were that were all natural for mental health. And and I wanted to do it in a language that was really easily understood when you looked at it. Yeah. So yeah. And I I mean, having seen your products, I feel like you, you've definitely accomplished that. And I think you you should be really proud at what you've created. And I imagine that our listeners are probably curious too about some of the business side of it, given that you have a background as an entrepreneur and in, in marketing and branding. And then you've had the gumption to really go and create these products that suit your own needs than that presumably suit the needs of others. Like how do you decide how to structure a business? Um, Do you try to go after wholesale accounts? Are you trying to market mostly online? Are you investing in advertising? Do you have an affiliate model? Like I'm so curious about the actual nuts and bolts of the business and how you came to those choices. Yes. Let's back up a little bit. So I had, because I had this idea and I put together the marketing plan and, you know, I had all these, these people sort of trying to hold me accountable. Like, well, where's your plan? I want to do this. Well, where's your plan? You know? And I had a, a friend of mine in Hong Kong. He's like, where's your plan? He'd, he'd, he'd send me a message on Twitter, like every week, where's the plan? You know, I had a lot of like people nicely encouraging me. And I do want to say that it was sort of divine intervention because a new, a friend of mine last year was like, I don't know even know why I told him about it. He was a new friend. And I was like, oh, I have this idea. And he's like, wow, send me the plan. And I was like, oh, again with the plan. And I was like, okay, the reason I haven't sent the plan to anybody is because I don't know how to do five-year projections, the financials that when you need investment, they really want to see that. And I didn't know what that looked like because I didn't know what my formulas look like. But my business model, and I think this is important for people to know, what I did is I did a plan 
get to market plan. So basically, I did all the marketing branding and everything. And I need I figured out how much money I needed to get it to market to get it. And that means get enough product to start selling to get it up online, which isn't easy when it's a when it's a physical product either, you know, because you yeah, to, for sure, you have to back into all the like the, the labels and the UPC codes and the thing and the and all that. Anyway, I sent the plan the plan without all of that with just the get to market plan. And the guy was like, this is a great plan. You're crazy those numbers are voodoo anyway. You know what? I'm going to invest to get you to market. I believe in this. And so he invested a little bit of money to get me to market. And then one of my other friends who was had been saying, get me the plan was like, I told you. And so he also invested a little bit to get me to market, which that was July of last year. And then I worked on it for six months and launched in January of this year. Wow. That's a fast time horizon. And is your plan to seek an additional round, like a seed round or of investment? Or do you feel like you could bootstrap it from here on out? Mm, yes, I could bootstrap it. But if I really want it to take off in a bigger way, then yeah, I'd like investment. But I didn't want to seek investment until I was a little, I have more to tell the story. I have another branding agency that is in the space that has been sort of watching me and they are guiding me a little bit. And they're like, you're not ready for that yet. Don't go yet. And so that's, I've been getting, got free advice from them. Well, I give them advice too on their, their branding for their clients. So you know, and then as far as like my marketing now, okay, so I launched online. Mm-hmm. And I see you're on Shopify, which makes sense for a physical product. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to switch that, actually. Are you really? I am because mm-hmm. Shopify doesn't allow they our transactions. They won't let me use their transactional software for supplements, even though it's there's nothing wrong. Like my supplements, there's no bad, you know, there's nothing in them that it's not like sports supplements or weight loss supplements that but anyway, they won't. So I'm going to switch away from Shopify. Um, I'm redoing the packaging and then I'll get it a little bit just some, you know, making a little bit of changes on the backside of the packaging and stuff. And then it'll go up on Amazon. I do have wholesale pricing. I so I'm attacking all angel angles. So I have wholesale pricing. I've I'm now in ten retail shops across Southern California. So if anyone's listening and they are interested, yes, please call me. I'm looking into I've just hired a girl to help me look into the smaller retail stores across the country that, you know, it's doing really well in metaphysical shops and yoga studios. Or like I can imagine, yeah, yoga studios. So that's a lot of our listeners own these kinds of businesses. So I think for those of you listening and you're looking to add some retail inventory, this seems like a really unique at this point value proposition to bring in. Yeah, it is. And it looks pretty. It's, you know, the bottles are in a sort of a rainbow, they're desert rainbow colors. So people like the packaging itself. And it looks good next to the yoga mats and all that. Um, I've got and then the, the metaphysical shops that also teach yoga and wellness, really enjoy it. It looks good next to like the gemstones and the essential oils. And you know, it's it birthed, I moved to Joshua Tree, California, two years ago from Los Angeles, and it, it really birthed from here. And so I think there's a spirit of the desert and the and the calm and serenity of the desert here. I don't think I could have created this in Los Angeles. So I'm, there are a couple treatment centers and mental health facilities that are interested in this right now. I'm actually even talking to a doctor that does hormone replacement therapy and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of interest in from open-minded medical community who have people that don't want to take medication and and they want to be able to offer them something else. 
so that I've been doing wholesale, wholesale across the board for that. And how do you approach wholesale clients? Like, are you going out and doing outbound marketing to get wholesale accounts? Or how do, is it mostly word of mouth? Yeah, most of the stuff is me been walking in with my product and my in my that little space that I use for, you know, um, my play. I love I it. Vintage <laughs> the true entrepreneur. <laughs> I walk in and I'm with, like, Hi. With the suitcase like, door to door. Like salesman. That's been most of it. A couple of things have been word of mouth. Uh, oh, we've seen you on social media. So-and-so talked to you. We, we're interested in, you know, in your product. Um, one store in Encinitas called Earth's Elements that took it. I walked in and they, they took a chance on me and then they've been selling really well. So they just added to four of their other stores across the, the S- Southern California. And then, yeah, I'm going to do, I've done some just direct email, like, hey, do you want to carry my stuff? Hasn't been working quite as well. So yeah, I'm still working on that piece. But yeah. part of it yeah. is not also it. just not knowing all the places across the country that would be, you know, I don't live, you know, so I, I've asked people that I know in you know, Portland and Seattle and Austin and Nashville, like, hey, where would we go? Where would this fit? And then I'll probably just call up those places and say, who do we talk to? Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. My side hustle is a, is a physical product business. And um, it's a similar story where I moved off to this remote island and the, the company couldn't have existed if I were still in Seattle. Like it's it's made from nature, right? Like it's inspired from and created from the plants around where I live. And it's been a, a really similar kind of journey as what you're describing. And I think there's something so beautiful about like taking your suitcase full of product into a shop. And I think for so, I mean, I, I've built this online business for five years and I help other people build and scale online. And I think that we get all uncomfortable around making sales or asking for a sale. And I think it's so helpful to put yourself into the shoes of a physical product business and to actually like think about the human interaction of going in and meeting someone and looking them in the eye and showing them what you have that I think it almost, it maps really well to online business too, because online is so much easier. If you actually think about what you're doing and what I'm doing with my other company, like it's building a business online where you can just, you know, post on Instagram and write some Facebook ads and like, you know, send emails once a week and then you have a business. This is, it's sort of amazing. So I think, you know, the salt of the earth kind of old school business is the best possible training ground for building, building something out online because, you know, it's like the school of hard knocks. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's intense and it's amazing and so good. But the other thing I really like, you know, doing where I met you and doing some of these conferences or like I've done, I'm very particular with, with sort of where I'm going to go and but I've done like OC Yoga Fest and a couple other and like Disclosure, a couple of uh, Disclosure Fest where I have a booth. Um, I usually share a booth with some other Joshua Tree based vendors. That's really fun because then we have a Joshua Tree booth. But I've also really enjoyed when people come up to the table and start asking me questions, that interaction, which you can't really do online. I really enjoyed like at, at the She Recovers conference where we met, like women were so open to understanding and asking, you know, good questions and asking and, and I could answer them with each one of the product much more easily than online, which I, I will, of course, always answer questions if anyone messages me. But if you just go look, like all the answers are there, but there's something about the one-on-one yeah. interaction that's pretty special. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally but it's get a lot it. of work. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I would like yeah. to just sit, oh, no. you know, I would like to just... <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of work. And I think entrepreneurship is a lot of work. I think that it it has like this glamorized 
reputation in the media being something like especially modern business, right? Where you're like on a beach somewhere and the money's coming in while you're enjoying like the coconut with the straw in it on the beach. And that's not actually how it, how it works for, for most of us. And it's a labor of love. And I think if you don't feel drawn to what you're doing, it's going to be really hard to be successful if you don't feel a deep connection to what you're building. Well, there's two other things I, I, I'm going to share here because I think it's important for your listeners to know, which I know I normally don't talk about this, but I'm going to share it. Um, I just turned 50 this year. So I started a business at 49 that makes me go out and like, you know, humbly after working with like rock stars. And, and I, I say that also with utmost humility, like I've had a pretty amazing career where people are like, wow. And now you're like sitting behind, you know, sitting at a booth at a, at a festival. And I'm like, yes, but I started a business at 50. So one, it's never too late. Like, you know, 50 is not old, but it's not 25. And I wouldn't have the knowledge as, as a younger person to do this. But still, you know, there's all these like things that happen when you're 50, like you're anyway, it's a little bit more challenging, I think, but you, it's never too late to do to do something like you want to do and to follow your dreams. So I think that's important to, to talk about. That's really the main thing. Yeah, I think that's a huge message. I think people need to hear that. Thank you. And perseverance is, is like, it's the hardest thing. And the other the other myth, oh, I know what I was going to say, the other myth about entrepreneurism that we see out there with these young tech entrepreneurs, many of which I've worked with, they'll come to me with a product and I'll be like, you don't even understand the music business. That, that just won't work. You know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. But the other myth in entrepreneurism, especially tech and younger, you know, millionaires at 25 is that they are constantly working and they're up till, you know, they only sleep four hours a night and they're all on Adderall or smart drugs or like, and, you know, as an entrepreneur, if at any age, if you don't have balance and you don't take care of yourself, you're going to burn out. And that's something that they don't really address or talk about. There's a move for mental health in entrepreneurism, which I find fascinating. Um, we did a chat, a Twitter chat a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago about it. But as an entrepreneur, that myth of like, you know, I'm up till four in the morning. Look, I take breaks. I try and take a walk at seven o'clock and watch the sunset. You know, I'm not going to beat myself up for not working 20 out of the 24 hours in a day as an entrepreneur either. And neither should you. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. I would say I'm five years in. And so if I were working 20 hours a day, I wouldn't still be doing this because it would be impossible. <laughs> and that's something that like in the last year or so, Sandy and I have really talked more about on this podcast and worked into our schedules like we have toned down the intensity of the work in a lot of ways and a lot of that intensity is unnecessary right like when you're working 20 hours a day like what are you really getting done in that I mean there's diminishing returns going on in those work days for the most part like I understand a sprint to finish something but this like my message about entrepreneurship is that this is lifelong really like this is 
a marathon and if you're not running the current business you're running, once you have a taste of like owning your own thing and running your own thing, like chances are that's what you're going to want to do forever, even if the actual object of that work changes. And so I think committing to a work-life balance, like you're saying, is is super important. And, and many of our listeners come from that space too, that they come from the wellness industry. But I think a lot of us in wellness, like we don't necessarily practice what we preach as well as we should. Yeah. Or... A lot of the wellness stuff, you know, you've got, you got, you know, yoga, which is incredible and a great tool. And you've got, you know, nutritionists and health coaches and, you know, the wellness space is so vast. But I do think that ultimately we still end up waking up and like going for the coffee and the thing and the quick fix so that your mind is spinning. So you think you're more busy than you are. So I think we gravitate towards that. And then I think tying it all together and tying the biochemical aspect of what's going on with your brain chemistry and what you're eating with the other wellness modalities is really key. It's, there still seems to be a little bit of a disconnect of that, I think. Yeah, well, I don't see very many people doing what you're doing, right? So making those connections and having developed a product that really fits the need. I mean, I know as someone who has a naturopath physician and who has taken you know, a lot of supplements over the years. It's tricky to navigate. And certainly I've never had this frame of reference where it's about mental health, like like you're making your business, right? Like it's always been about like, oh, if you are experiencing these physical symptoms, then you take this, you know, suite of supplements and tinctures and whatever else. And it's never for me been about like my mental health. And so I I that I love what you're doing because I I really I think a lot of our mental health issues manifest as physical symptoms, but I think when they're only treated as physical symptoms, like the entire person doesn't really get treated, right? And so that's the difference. Yeah, and thank you very, very much. That that means a lot, actually. What I'm finding for mental health and nutrition and supplements is there it's twofold. So the first thing, either you go to a doctor and you say, you know, I'm depressed or I'm anxious, whatever, and they don't look at any of the physical symptoms. They're not really, they're doing like really surface layer labs, like, oh, your blood work looks fine, you know, which, you know, even your thyroid looks fine. And, and they do these surface level labs, uh, just looking at the top of the iceberg. And then they put you, you know, then they want to give you, they want to fix the symptom, which is depression. So of course, they're going to give you some antidepressants, because, you know, that's sort of how they're trained. So you've got that type of, of doctor. And then you have the other area where you're right, you might have gut issues, or, you know, you might be have chronic fatigue, and it's manifesting as depression. And so they put you on a lot of stuff like that, but they're still not addressing sort of the neurotransmitters and the chemical, you know, support that you need. And my goal is to, is to help people sort of look at both. In fact, I just did a deep dive in my own lab work with a natural or with a functional medicine doctor and found out that I had, I was like low in vitamin C, which is just bizarre. Like those are, that's like sailors that go across the, like, you know, but I'm, I'm super low in vitamin C, which I would have never thought that. So I'm also thinking about, I'm going to announce it right here. I'm thinking about figuring out how to integrate some lab options for people to do lab work. What a great service to offer, especially if you can do it in a way that it's available to everyone. Because I know when I was in Seattle, <laughs> this like amazing progressive city, I had access, easy access to that sort of thing. And I don't now because I live in a rural community. And so I'm a huge fan of like, this is where technology or, and the internet can really bridge yeah. 
the gap? Yeah, I'm working with, I mean, it's not inexpensive to do it. It's, you know, it costs some money. But to me, I'm like, okay, well, I spent a lot of money on stuff that might not even matter. So, let, you know, I might integrate lab work. The other thing I'm going to integrate, which we can talk to your listeners, is I have a resource list on my website for coaches that I'm going to build out at some point, probably next year. If someone is versed enough in what I would consider mental health portion of wellness and supplements, uh, I think that would just take like a 20 minute phone call with me to make sure that I knew, felt comfortable that they knew what they were doing. I will list them on my coaching website section of the, and then I'll just list all their credentials. Now, the key is I don't want to do affiliates. So if someone's listed and that's just listed because if, if someone goes to my website and they want more help, I can't help each person. So I'll list the coaches and then if they get hired, they get hired. If they use my product, great. If they don't, great. But at least there's like some references for people there, but there's no money exchange between me and the coaches. If they use my product, they'll get a discount code for their clients. So their customers, you know, will know if their if their clients are using my products, they'll get, you know, some a discount code. But I don't want to do affiliate links where I just I want it to be really authentic. And I know that many people said the opposite. When when I started the business, they said, Well, that's a great business model. And I was like, but I just don't want to make money that way. So there are things I won't do, and that's one of them. Anyway, so I'm going to start compiling coaches and stuff. There's a link on my website that says like, if you want to be a coach, here's it is, email us and give us your name. And so I'm going to start compiling that, probably launch that next spring. Great. Yeah. And I'll link to that in the show notes too. I saw that on your site. And so let me just ask you this, Renda, if you could wave a magic wand and it's three years from now, where is your business? That's such a great question. Um, I would like my products. I want to expand the line to a few more products. I have a golden key product. I call, I don't know why I named it that just now, but I have a one, one product that I'm not going to talk about yet that I really want to manufacture and that's going to take major investment. So that's done and that's in wellness and rehab centers across the country. This is a baseline mental health product and it would be in every yoga works and soul cycle and bar in the country. Yeah, that's ambitious. I love it. I think we need to encourage each other in our ambition. I mean, that's, Fantastic. So I think for those of you who are listening to this conversation, you know, if you look at Renda and you're like, how I, well, I'm not her. I couldn't do something on this scale or I couldn't have dreams that big. I just would ask you to question those assumptions because, you know, it's clear to me that starting this company at 49 and having these big dreams and already whatever, less than a year into this, have been in 10 stores and having this kind of presence. And I think it's totally possible. And obviously, Rinda, you're very talented and committed, but I think you would probably say the same thing to the listeners, right? Is that if you feel drawn to build something, don't allow any sort of self-doubt to stop you from taking that leap. Yeah, I just want to share like, look, this has been the hard, one of the hardest things I've ever done. You know, doing your own line and your own brand is really difficult. I second guess myself all the time. Some mornings I wake up and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? You're not qual, you know, the imposter syndrome, they call it like, you're not qualified. You don't have this, you have that. And then you know, I wake up and I'm like, I can't function to like, I just get overwhelmed. I mean, it's not easy. I I do a lot of self-talk, like a lot of like, I wake up and if like, I'm not feeling it today or, oh, I did this wrong or whatever it is. I really, I really no joke talk back to myself within, I don't talk out loud because that'd be crazy, but I do talk back to myself a lot. And, you know, then it's just about, you know, perseverance and just moving on no matter what. It's like, 
you know, and then the sort of thing is like, well, what's the worst that can happen? It, it doesn't take off. It doesn't get to those places. And then at least I've tried. At least I did it. You know, I had two deaths that affected me a lot last year around the time that the, the that I was like, I'm going to do this business. And so one actually was Chris Cornell for some that really affected me, you know, mental health. And then a friend of um, the guitar player in the Afghan Wigs, which is one of the bands that I still work with currently. And he was a dear friend and he passed. And I thought, you know, life is too short not to just do this, not to just give it a try, you know? And so, you know, and, and then if you need help, you need help. If, if it's like, if you need, if you need mental help, but if you need entrepreneur help, there's other people that are out there that will be willing to give you advice. Or, you know, I talk to a lot of different people and have friends that like encourage me through the hard spots and stuff like that. So I would just say, go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. I totally agree. I totally relate. And I totally agree. I think for two years, every single day I woke up and had insecurity because I'm not a PhD software programmer <laughs> and I run a tech company and I had tremendous insecurity about that for years. And I still have it sometimes, but it's a similar, I mean, it's just like, who am I to do this? And it's, it's something that really held me back in the beginning of starting my company. And I think we all have those insecurities, right? And so if you're listening to this and you're thinking about opening a brick and mortar, or you're thinking about, you know, starting a new training program or whatever it is, nobody's got to where they got because they started out, you know, as an advanced <laughs> professional in that field. And so I think we know that in like this career track world that we know that you sort of have to work your way up. But I think as entrepreneurs, there's this this expectation that you're supposed to be a genius at what you're taking on or that you're supposed to be able to just have some inherent skill or ability. And like most of the people that I've met in this space, like it's it's like showing up day after day after day and taking on hard challenges and being willing to fail and then getting up the next day and doing it again and learning from your mistakes and getting better and better and better. And that's like really what it is. I mean, I imagine like for you, like there's probably so many details about like, how did you figure out where to do manufacturing and get testing? And like, how did you figure out how to source labels and bottles like there's just probably a thousand of those things that like you obviously didn't know when you got started right and you had to just figure it out <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean I did tons and tons of research I found a manufacturing company that I trusted I did due diligence on them and where they get their you know where they source their materials luckily they are all in-house so they have like someone that works with FDA compliances and then I had the labels done separately and that was a whole other thing like doing the labels like having my brand on there. And like, I, you know, just that was a whole other thing. And by the way, I hired some people that were really great at uh, design, but they weren't great at design for me. And I ended up designing my own uh, logo and labels on a software thing called Canva, which most people use for social media, because I just needed to like be able to see it. And then I, of course, went to a, a, a designer that I use now and had him recreate it. But I mean, I ended up doing that myself because I couldn't find, you know, and everything just sort of flowed. The other thing I just, when you were speaking before that popped into my mind was, you know, what would Richard Branson do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's what I say <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's he's helpful. Like my favorite, he's my favorite uh, entrepreneur, you know, genius. He's got a great heart and he's built amazing, incredible businesses. He's failed at some. He's built this iconic brand. He's, a, he's always saying amazing things. He's super encouraging. I worked for 
two record labels that were subsidiaries of Virgin. So in some short way, I've worked for him, uh, even though I'm not directly. And both of the three of the men that I worked for in my music business career that worked for Richard Branson, I would work for again, and the rest I probably wouldn't. So I do a lot of what would Richard Branson do. I do a lot of what would Seth Godin do. So same, same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a helpful frame. Well, Rinda, let me go ahead and lead you through Proust questionnaire, which is something that we do with all of our guests. And so it's just like quick answer, whatever comes to mind. And if you don't have an answer, you can skip it. Okay. Okay. So what is your idea of perfect happiness? Health, wealth, joy, and love and being in Paris. <laughs> what is your greatest fear? Death. What living person do you most admire? There's so many. There are so many across the board. As an entrepreneur, it is, it is Richard Branson, but there are so many people across the board that I admire greatly. What is your greatest extravagance? Massages, once a month at least. <laughs> what talent would you most like to have? Oh, I would love to be able to... It's like it's the circus. It's like the two long... Things going down and you you like climb. Oh, what is like it called? Like silks, like silks. Yeah, silks. If I could do silks, <laughs> if I had to, if I had to start over with everything and I was twenty again, I would be silk. I would do silks. And then the other thing is I would pursue photography at National Geographic. Those are the two things. But silks, I would do silks. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> awesome. No one's ever said that before. Uh, <laughs> who are your favorite writers? Raymond Chandler, who wrote noir. Tolkien, who wrote all the Lord of the Rings books. Yes, I'm, I'm a geek. Paulo Coelho, Anais Nin, and Henry Miller. Mm. And what is your motto? You're worth it. Love it. Thank you for that. It's new. I just, I just came up with that one recently. So we end every episode with our guests or ourselves sharing a joy and a hustle. So something that brings you joy in your life, and it can be something material or not material, and then a tool to help them hustle in their business. So in this case, my personal life aside, in this case, what really brings me joy is when somebody reaches out to me either through, you know, posted online or messages me or calls me and says that one of these supplements has made a really big difference in their life. As little as like the, the girls at you know, that took rest well the next morning, she recovers like, Oh, my God, I feel so much better. I haven't slept or, you know, or someone who was, you know, about to go on medication, and their doctor was like, you know, and they tried pink cloud for a little while. And they were like, it feels so much better. That brings me a lot of joy, for sure. It makes this part of it really worth it. And as far as the hustle, man, I, I you know, it's tough. I think it's just about perseverance and getting up and when you're not in hustle mode just saying no matter what you know and what what's the worst that can happen really just keep moving forward i love it and i totally agree all right rinda thank you so much for coming on to this show i will of course post links for folks to help them find you online but where is the best place for them to go is it your website is it your social Oh, yeah. We didn't even say the name of the company. It's called Very Every Day. That was a whole other conversation about how to create the name and what the name is. It's VRY Every Day is the social and the, the website. So veryeveryday.com. My social is just at Rinda. And even my, my biz, music business marketing side is A-T-R-Y-N-D-A. And all my socials just at Rinda. So you can reach me in any of those places. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Dum, 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 dum,
Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you.